We're, we're going. All right, what's going on, guys? Welcome to another episode of Eastern Current. Uh, a little different tonight. We've got three people here in our fancy studio here in Hollywood, um, in Ogden, North Carolina. Ogden and Wilmington, North Carolina. Um, I don't know. I'm starting off not very strong already. <laughs> but um, we wanted to have a couple heads together here to kind of pick through these questions. I feel like each of us is going to have some different answers, some different opinions. What we're going to do, we, we had y'all send us a bunch of questions about targeting um, specifically larger speckled trout, gator trout, um, if you will, biggies. <laughs> um, and we're going to we're gonna go through those and answer those questions for y'all the best that we can. Um, before we do that, be sure to go check out our Facebook group, Eastern Current Fishing, great place to connect with other anglers, um, get the insight of what's happening uh, on Eastern Current, uh, with Eastern Current, um, and kind of find out about different stuff that we've got going on there if you haven't um and you do love patreon and want to help support the back end check out our or do love eastern current and want to help support us check out our patreon page um you get early access to the content and um as much as i can i'm updating weekly or bi-weekly um you know on the water tips so like what what did i see today what worked for me today what's going on what's trending here um and i think i, I want to try to get mike and cameron on some of that stuff with me too which will be fun um but that's on our Patreon, Eastern Current Fishing through Patreon. Uh, the links will be in the show notes here um, on the podcast platforms as well as on uh, YouTube. So check that out. Uh, and then I want to thank Explore Boat Works. They're partnering with us. Um, I Strike Fishing, another great, great option. Um, and also the Small Craft Shop. It's Peter Scholl's. If you have uh, uh, any fiberglass or gel coat issues with your, with your boats, I wanted to give him a couple shout-outs on some episodes. He's done some really good work for me. Um, great place to take your boat. Really, really well-priced. He's not going to beat you up over price, and it's very quick. Like every time I've got I, – I dropped off a skiff with quite a few um, little gel coat issues, and he knocked it out in two days. So it's it's really, really quick, and he's really, really um, focused to detail. He fly fishes. He loves to light tackle fish. He gets it. He understands, like, people really care about their skiffs and their – you know, their bay boats and stuff like that. So a great place to bring your boat if you need to get some gel coat work done. That's the small craft shop. It's in Wilmington, North Carolina. Peter Scholes is the guy's name. Um, but let's uh, let's jump on into some questions here. Y'all ready for this? It's super ready. hot. I opened the window. So if a dog barks or you hear a siren or something, <laughs> um, I probably should just take my hoodie off. But I, don't, I do have a shirt on or anything. Um, <laughs> should we just pass this around? Yeah, let's just pass around a question. All right. We can go for the first one. Trolling for trout. Who wants it? Trolling for trout. I think it's a great way to yeah. locate, locate fish. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. I, I wouldn't say it's necessarily, um, you know, a way that I'm like going to go out and try to target big fish. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Do y'all see that? Kind I, of play through? I, Not that you couldn't catch a big fish doing that. No. I think like for me, the biggest thing is, is I'll, I've done it before and I'll mix match my colors. So I'll do... Like two rods out the back, set them at different distances with different weight jig heads and either different size plastics or different colors. You know, sometimes a lot of guys like the curly tail, like chartreuse and whites and that kind of stuff. And then I'll have one rod with more of like a traditional paddle tail jig head kind of set up. Okay. And just kind of keep it slow, but definitely more for locating trout than it is for picking apart a spot and finding that one good fish out of there. Yeah, I agree. I think you're kind of hitting those aggressive fish on the way through. Mm, and, yeah. and Good, Great way for targeting early fall trout. Definitely. When they're like super kind of 
here nor there and there might just be a couple spots where there's a lot of fish in order to find them it's pretty sure fire away definitely definitely when you're trolling for trout do you prefer like lipped baits or would you use a jig head with a with a paddle tail or a curly tail i've done well on on all of them yeah um, i usually don't troll long though like i'll mm-hmm. troll and as soon as i hit a fish i'm stop i don't want to troll i'm i'm casting but um a jig head with a paddle tail or a lip bait or even like some of the larger heavier mirror lures can work mm-hmm. really well yeah. i'm kind of curious too because i haven't trolled for trout that much to be honest but when you're trolling for them would you prefer to use your motor and just idle or would you use your trolling motor I guess using a trolling motor, you kill your battery pretty quick. And you need a pretty powerful trolling motor. Giving us a show. I would... I usually use, the times I've done it, my actual motor. Yeah. Um, Big motor. I think it it spooks the fish a little bit, too. Um, But, like, this time of year, they're so aggressive. uh, A lot of times it doesn't matter. And dropping that bait back far enough. um, It surprises me, like, that you can troll right through a spot. And... And there's been times that I have been fishing an area, casting, 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 and then I start trolling, and bam, bam, hook two fish. And I think mm-hmm. it's because trout, a lot of times I tell clients with redfish, like the the further a redfish follows a lure, the less likely you're going to catch that fish. Mm-hmm. But a trout will follow a lure, and sometimes like on a topwater, you'll catch him on the last twitch right beside the boat. Yep. Yep. Um, and so I think when you're trolling and that lure has the ability to stay moving and stay down there longer the fish ends up eating it because he's been able to follow it. Then he finally decides, you know, I'm going to eat this instead of finally decides, well, I'm not going to eat it because it just, you know, went out of the water. No, I can't get it. So yeah, I think that isn't the only reason that it works well, but I think that is a good reason. You're just, they can follow it as long as they want. It gives them more time to think about eating mm. it. I think Mike did set a good point too. Changing up colors. Yeah. Just trying to figure out what they're, what they want that day. I mean, that could be yeah, the difference. Definitely. For sure. What have been some of the colors recently that have been working for y'all? Kind of, uh, I've been using a white slash kind of silverish paddle you can, tail. You can call it as it is. What what <laughs> what paddle tail is it? It's the the uh, salt strong slam <laughs> shady baby. The slam shady. Yeah. Wyatt, um, if you're listening, I know you're I know you're stoked. Uh, yeah, I dude, that thing has been working super well. Um, I've been using the DOA shrimp, of course. We need to get an affiliate link with Salt Strong for their Slam Shady for yeah. anyone that buys yeah. this episode. <laughs> As, yeah, it's got a funky smell, man. It, you, it does have a funky smell, it. for sure. He said it was doing as good as my DOA shrimp today, so it was, it that was. is that's awesome. I will say, like trolling for trout, you brought up lipless or lip like crankbaits and that mm-hmm. kind of stuff. I do it a lot for striper in the river during the winter and. I feel like a lot of times it's a reaction bite like you get from like bass fishing and knocking around square bills and that kind of stuff. So I don't know, you know, trolling kind of varying depths of water and having that bait move and kind of be erratic and stuff. I don't know if that would be, I'm assuming it would probably help a lot with trout too, you know? So definitely don't be scared to use the crank or, you know, lip baits and stuff. For sure. Um, But vary your your links because I'm throwing a six, seven inch. Um, trolling bait when I'm doing striper versus, you know, for trout, I'd probably step it down to a three, four inch, maybe yeah, well, five. Well, you see some of the guys in Texas fishing big jointed lip baits. Yeah. Crazy, some crazy stuff for, for, uh, for speckled trout, but no, I'm with you. It's like there, there's fishing for trout and then there's fishing for big trout. 
And then there's also catching big trout while just fishing for trout, you know, like, mm-hmm. yeah. and you're going to, this is also confusing, <laughs> but you're going to catch big, you're going to catch small trout while fishing for big trout too. But a lot of times, mm-hmm. like where you're fishing, how you're fishing, um, is a little different. Yeah. And the mindset's there too. It's like, you don't care about catching numbers. You're grinding it out for some, a few bites usually. Yeah. Um, a lot of times, <sighs> That's not true. I'd say it's about 50-50 the times I've caught big citation fish or some of them are, you know, I catch three or four fish that day. And some of them are, I catch a lot of fish and, you know, all of a sudden I start catching some bigger ones and I catch a big one, you know. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, but a lot of times, I don't know, we'll get into that. There's a lot more questions. But I love how in-depth we went on that. Yeah. <laughs> that's really good. That's a nice thing about having three people. All right, so next question. It's going to be a four-hour podcast. Uh, do gator trout push shallower than normal-sized trout? Um, from That's from Wyatt. So I'll yeah, that's from Wyatt. Second shout-out, Wyatt. I think it, I think it kind of depends on the time of year. It right? does. Because, like, fall, you know, they're just starting to push in, and you're going to you're gonna get all different sizes of fish, in my experience, in inlets and things of that yeah, nature. They're migrating down. They're much more likely to be hanging out. Right. Yeah, spot. with it with other trout, and then as the year progresses into when it gets colder and into winter, I I I think you would catch more uh, larger trout as they kind of separate themselves yeah. a little bit. Yeah, yeah, I think so too. And, and they, I think they will push into the shallower water better than the smaller ones will. Yeah. Like into yeah. a foot and a half of water, into two feet of water. I mean, you'll definitely catch smaller fish in that too. Um, but they start to act differently than normal yeah. trout mm-hmm. when they get to be that size. Mm-hmm. And um, your they'll still there. act like small trout sometimes, mm-hmm. but they'll also start to get these redfish behaviors where they're yep. laying up yep. more and, and fi- sitting around structure yeah, and, and little grass potholes pot and creeks. Yeah. yeah, yeah, for sure. It's uh, they start to change their 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 style of. Yeah. I think it all has to do with like where they feel safe when they're. When they're smaller in that 14, 15, 16 inches, it's kind of like strength in numbers. Once yeah. they get out to mm-hmm. that, you know, 20, pushing 22, 24, you know, one big trout, it can do some damage on anything that comes around it or be able to, you know, be too big for most things to eat it. Yeah. So, you know, it can push up shallower, be a little more confident and get away, be on its own and do its own thing. So. Yeah, I, I agree. I, I think, uh that shallow water fishing for big trout especially like you get some areas out of the current a little bit where the trout can lay up they like that kind of stuff they also like current i mean it's a funny thing to talk about because it's like oh all these differences but then also at the same time you say but none of that matters sometimes too and then everything (laughs) is the opposite so i feel like that's fishing in general yes you know definitely um but yeah shallow water do you think they move into shallow water before the you know the vast majority of trout move into shallow water. I think that you get those warm days; they slide up on those mm-hmm. those mud flats and whatnot to hang out and to take advantage of being closer to, to bait on the surface and, mm-hmm. and being able to warm up. Yeah, um, you know that's something we're going to see in December and November. Like you get cold water, and then all of a sudden you get four or five days of warm water. Mm-hmm. So even especially if it's around the moon, then it can be. You know, there can be a lot of fish up shallow. It's a good time yeah. to fish. Yeah. yeah. Um, that shallow water. All right. Let's look at the next one. Um, when larger bait disappears later in the season, do you still need to throw big baits for big fish? Um, 
Well, that's kind of a loaded question, I feel like. That is a loaded question. <laughs> so my kind of theory right now, this time of year, is, it, it, like, I know you've been fishing around some of the inlets. You've been fishing around some of the inlets. The mullet that are leaving right now, when they get blown up by bluefish or by trout, mm-hmm. they're big. I mean, they're yeah. five, yeah. six-inch mullet. Well, they've been here all summer. Yeah. And they've just been growing and growing and growing, and now they're five, six inches. Yeah. They're, they're big baits, and those trout will eat those. You know, we're fishing these little paddle tails, mm-hmm. catching, you know, the 17, the 15 to 20 inch fish and a big fish will eat that. But I don't think a big fish is going to take the time right now yeah. often to eat a little paddle really tail, like, you know, a little four inch paddle tail when there's hundreds of six and seven inch mullet going yeah. by. He's going to just wait until he gets a shot at a big mullet. Yeah. So fishing a larger swim bait, a five or six inch swim bait in those yeah. areas, when you start getting bit a lot, jump your bait size up like crazy. The little yeah. fish yeah. will still eat it, but when you get in, a, in a, on a good bite, jump your bait size up. These fish are migrating down the beach, and I, I've, I've shared this in the podcast before. I've sat in the ocean last year, day with Michael, mm-hmm. and watched pods and pods of fish on a crystal clear day migrate down, and there would be, you know... Small fish, big fish, and I was seeing massive fish swimming with smaller fish. Yeah, um, and so I know that they will be sitting together in right early now, fall. early yeah. fall, early to mid fall. Um, and so jump that bait size up. Look at what the biggest mullet is that you're seeing yeah. get blown up, and fish something like that or a little bigger. Like give that trout a reason. If he's gonna eat something massive, he's right now is a great time to do it. You know, yeah. doesn't mind exerting a little extra energy. It's not cold yet. Yeah, I think this will. This also goes back to. Uh, a point that will probably come up a couple times is that the big trout are pretty lazy. Yeah. And if they're going to eat something, it's probably going to be a high calorie meal. Yeah, definitely. So they're going to wait, just like you said, they're going to wait for something bigger to swim by to where they don't have to exert that much energy to eat it. Mm-hmm. And then they get more calories. So they can just sit there and be fat. Definitely. Yeah, I think <laughs> I think that's that's exactly right. So this question asks though, when larger bait disappears later in the season, that's right. That's right. Do you okay. still focus on big baits, or do we switch over? Yeah. And I think this is the reason why it's a loaded question because right now you're you're fishing the season change. So when you say later in the season, you know December, January, most of the bait's gone, depending on how cool it's gotten. What our weather's kind of done. Try not to. Uh tap the table too much just for the the audio Uh, (laughs) um so you know once you get later in the year i definitely downsize um i use that a lot of times though to find locations and then i'll step my bait back up a Mm -hmm. little bit but we're not i'm not going to a five and a six inch bait i'm going from a three inch white paddle tail up to maybe a four yeah or you know just something that's slightly different than what i'm what I was throwing to locate numbers of fish sometimes yeah. looking for that one big bite. Um, mm-hmm. but we're not going nearly as big as what we are right now during the fall time. Yeah. I, so. I'm glad you brought us back to the question cause we were getting off topic, <laughs> we're getting off topic. <laughs> but I will say, I think like you have to think about the baits that are still around like yeah. pinfish croaker, yeah. right? Yeah. Like we kind of talked about, um, and I think if you... And the spot, the spot, the spot that are running yeah. right now, too, are yeah. a big when meal you, source. When it gets trout. later in the year and the water starts getting really clear and say you're going in a creek and there's some potholes and you locate some really big trout but you can't get them to eat or whatever, I would say it's probably worth it to find a dock light or put some hot dog on a little uh, hook and catch some pinfish. Yeah. 
put them on a float, put them on a downrig, and uh, cut the fins off of them. Yeah, definitely. I swear, I, I think Big Trout would crush this. Oh, for sure, for yeah. sure. It, it's surprising. I think me and Mike talked about this the other day. Like, when you clean a flounder or a trout or a redfish, like, very rarely do I see mullet and minhaden in their stomachs. I do, but a lot yeah. of times it's it's pinfish and spot, you know? It's mm-hmm. it's those fish that are on the bottom around those, the you know, around the redfish and the trout and flounder. Um, yeah. So, they're, they're more likely to hang around them and slip up more. You know, the mullet and the, yeah. the everything else is running away from them all the time. So, maybe that's why. Right. But, yeah, I mean... You, you can upsize, you can downsize it. It doesn't. You just got to read the conditions that day. I yeah, like. yeah. I was gonna that's say a, that's that's a hard, that's a loaded question depending on your area. Yeah. All right. If you could only pick one area to target big gators in late fall and winter, would you fish coastal rivers or tidal creeks near inlets? Um, mm. I would wait until a little later in the season, late November through December, and I would fish coastal, coastal rivers, rivers. Yeah. yeah, and and areas with little current. Yeah, I agree with that because yeah. I mean, like we said, early fall, there's trouts are all the trouts, trouts. all the trout trouts are, are trouts. staging up in, in the inlets and on points and on creek mouths and whatever. But eventually, they're gonna all push deeper and deeper. Right, yeah. and. I just think for consistency and, and longevity of catching trout, I'd say uh, coastal rivers. Yeah, definitely. Well, and, uh, I mean, it says big gators, but even if you're just looking for trout in general, these fish are going to stay in those deeper pockets near the inlets and stuff year, you know, throughout the winter and the cooler water months when they're here. So, you know, if you're looking for numbers – and that sort of thing, something to, you know, kind of fill the cooler. They're still going to be stacked up in those areas, but, yeah. you know. If you can get in those coastal rivers and find the creeks off of um, those coastal rivers and get back in them where you've got some deep, you know, 12, 15-foot holes, mm-hmm. and you can find some of those holes that are a degree or two warmer, maybe based off of having sun a little bit longer throughout the day. Yep. That's where those big fish are going to be in the winter. Why is then it you, you know they're there, and it's like this is where I need to tar- spend my time targeting these fish. Yeah. Why is it that they push further and further in as it gets colder? Well, they get the the, the creeks get narrower and deeper, uh-huh. and so back there in the backs of those coastal creeks, those, there, there's less tide movement, um, and so that water, water stays, stays more consistent down there. Yeah. It's not changing a lot. You get out in that shallow water, you get a you know that temperature can drop real or quick. A lot of it can current. rise real quick. Yeah, yeah coming in current. and out. Yeah, that makes that, sense. That and during the winter, when the water gets cold, their metabolism drops so much that they're not able to exert that much energy and be fast. You know, to go snag something that's coming by them in heavy, heavy current. Mm-hmm. I feel like it's easier for them to yeah. grab a mill when it's slow like that. Yeah. yeah. So good point. Next one. Next one. All right. Other than top water, what is your best lure for big fish? Mm. Oh, the I like I've, I've really liked the five inch diesel minnow. Yeah. Um, and then an MR seventeen. Mm-hmm. And then a red flake DOA shrimp. <laughs> red flake DOA shrimp catches all sizes. It does. The, yeah. Those are the three lures that are, and that's a lot of lures and top water. Yeah. That I've caught citation trout on. Yeah, yeah, I but that say, pretty much covers like all spectrums of yeah. lures too. 
I'd say the bigger paddle tail. Yeah, bigger paddle tail. Six inches. Yeah. Late winter, slow rolling it. Just kind of low on the bottom. Yep. That was definitely for me last year. Way I did best. Yeah. It was funny in my fishing career when I learned like, wait a second. You can just retrieve a paddle tail. <laughs> like do you don't have to twitch it. it. Like you can just reel it and it swims beautifully, just like a big fish. I don't have to sit there and be all fancy with it. Like when I want to be lazy and still effective, just throw it out there and reel it in. Yep. <laughs> all right. The next question is from Josh Kid Four. Um, he's a gamer from Illinois. I'm just kidding. <laughs> Josh Kid Four. Um, Go to lure for targeting big trout. That kind of plays back in but if I had to pick if you had to pick one lure I'd probably pick will you hand me that right there the right time of year I'd be throwing a four or I guess this is how long is that? are these five inches probably yeah. it's the uh, the full size spook here and these are some sexy and new colors that I've painted up for this season um, but a five inch full size spook would be probably it's not all the time the best lure to throw but when the conditions are correct to throw this they're gonna eat it so well and i think for me i don't get out to fish as much as you do and probably as much as cameron does i know but so i think for me consistency wise you know big five six inch paddle tails Mm -hmm. you can't go wrong you know you're always going to be able to locate fish even if they're a little smaller and then you got the chance to pick out that one big one yeah so I'd agree. I'd say it's either top water or big five, six inch paddle tails for sure. Yeah. It's uh unless you're a live bait fisherman. Yeah. And then probably just big mullet. Big mullet, yeah. <laughs> big mullet right there in the middle of the run. Just yeah. wait for him. Alan got a twenty six and a half on a live mullet on her float already this year. Yeah. Oh my god. Alright. Next one. Who's that? Saying Loney? Zane? Here, I'll read it. It's my terrible hearing. Zane Long. Best tides for targeting (laughs) them in the surf. Them being trail. Mm. I abbreviated or shortened a lot of y'all's questions. So if it's like crappy sounding grammar, it's probably from me shorting. Best tide? For targeting them in the surf. I'd probably say low. Because then you can see the sleuths at least. Yeah. You know? For sure. I don't do it much. But yeah, I I think. I think just like anything, there's areas that you're going to want to target them at different times, you know? Yeah. Yeah, um, yeah maybe like like mid to low where you still got that current falling off yeah. the leaves too. Yeah, definitely wouldn't want to do it at slack tide probably. Right. But yeah, sloughs where bait looks like it's going to get trapped or flushed through, is, I would yeah. think would be the time sure. to do it. And that's yeah. something, well, we need to get a surf trout fisherman on here because none of us yeah. do that all that much in the no. surf. Um, so I don't, we don't, I mean, that's what I would say too, that lower tide, but we could be wrong. Yeah. I'm just kind of thinking of like how I would target redfish. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. And and they're congregated in that time period. Mm -hmm. And it's not like that they're working on the tide like they would in a creek out off the beach. Right, right. So. All right. Am I up? Sorry, Zane Long. (laughs) RJ, night fishing for big trout? Question mark. Um, I think it's a good time to do it. Yeah. To go target them. Those fish eat at night, especially around the moons. Um, Ryan Christopherson. Yeah, dock lights. Yeah. Um, or just areas where the, the water's lit up even. Yeah. Like, you mm-hmm. know, you get some good street lights or, or whatnot. There's a um, guy at Intercoastal Angler 
Ryan who caught a 10 pound mm-hmm. trout at night under some lights. He's caught a lot of citations. Yeah, and night, I think but... that's his favorite time to do it, right? Yeah, I think those fish, you know, feed well. And he catches a lot of them on top water at night, too. Yeah. They key right. on that noise. But um, night fishing for trout is great. I got another buddy, Lenny, um, who is a pastor uh, at a church up in Hampstead. So he gets he just really gets a lot of time to fish at night. Mm-hmm. So he goes out and, and fishes at night. And he's, he's done really well and, and gets a lot of topwater. It's like you think about the best time to throw topwater usually in the dark when you're still out there in the first <laughs> right. bit of the morning. So if you yeah. really want the topwater fish, go fish yeah. at night, especially right now. Like you yeah. can, I think you could smack them on top. Water. I know it's uh, Matthew Wallen sent me a video uh, two years ago of uh, some lights in uh, the noose. Uh-huh. I mean, and he was like 50 yards away or something. All you hear was, oh gosh, dude. yeah, that's awesome. That is one thing 50 yards away. I'm glad you said it because it reminded me. If you do go out and you do fish dock lights, stop way back away mm-hmm. from them. The jacks and bluefish and stuff will stay playing on them hard. Yeah. But like the trout are smart. They'll slide off of them on, on motor noise and stuff and um, you know, try to hit them from as far away as you can. And it doesn't hurt to go practice casting at night before you roll up to your first mm-hmm. dock and try to cast. <laughs> really understand like your lure and how far you're throwing it because you might go throw six mare lures or something yes, right up onto someone's dock. That gets expensive. Yeah, it's but, a really good way to spend some money. Yeah, for sure. For sure. But yeah, definitely if you haven't done it, get out there. I I don't get the time to go do it much, like spending the day on the water and then I come home and I don't want to leave my wife and my baby to, you know, I'm going to go fish again. It is, yeah, and, yeah. It, and it is one of those things where you like really have to commit and yeah. man, if you get there and there's no fish there, you're like, ah, oh, dang, <laughs> where else can I go? <laughs> I only know of one dock light. Well, I think too, like just access to the water to fish especially like around here there's just so many docks like unless you have a boat and can get in the water Mm -hmm. you know unless you're Mm -hmm. right underneath the bridge or in the surf you're kind of limited on what you can get to um but also night fishing a lot less boat traffic you know that kind of stuff a lot less going on on the water and i feel like those fish are you know, they get kind of comfortable to move back out and yeah. kind of explore new areas and stuff. And they move to places that they wouldn't necessarily be at, you know, during the daytime. Mm-hmm. So definitely a good option. I think that if I wasn't a guide, as much as I've become, like as much as I've started to love trout fishing, I might become like a nocturnal trout fisherman because <laughs> you, it gets so crowded in a lot of the areas yeah, during the day. Does. Like if you went out there, I think you'd be competing with gillnetters a lot because a lot mm-hmm. of the, my buddies that do go out and fish at night, they're like, there's gillnetters everywhere yeah. at night yeah. netting. Um, and so that's one of the downfalls of it, but, um, you'd have it to yourself, you know, and those fish still eat good at night and they can see fine at night. They really keen on feeling a lot and hearing, but, um, you know, a lot of there's, I hear guys having, you know, 30 fish nights on a mirror lure Mm -hmm. in the surf. So, um, that's a definitely a good, good way to catch, you know, fish and big baits too. You know, I think that they'll feel a big bait and have a big fish has an opportunity to eat it like um hopefully ryan doesn't hear this but i know ryan fishes a seven inch diesel minnow a lot of times in the surf um and in the inlets at night so like a big big swim bait mm-hmm. i mean a seven inch diesel minnow looks like a dang popeye mullet right <laughs> so uh, all right Good on that one. let's see here all right, Nick Chapman, how many rods when fishing solo? It's oh a good question. It is a good question. 
I'm, uh, I think I have nine on my boat right now. I was going to say, I think I don't leave the house without at least five. So, But I think that depends on the time of year for me, too. Like, right now, you know, I'm like, Judd, I got a DOA on. I've got a jig head with a big, you know, five-inch diesel minnow or some kind of paddle tail. I've got a topwater on. I've got a mirror lure on. And then I normally have another jig head with a smaller three, three-and-a-half-inch paddle tail. That's everything that I want to fish. And, you know, it's like bass fishing efficiency in a tournament yeah. or anything. You mm-hmm. know, you can pick it up, you know, keep constantly moving, break down a piece of water quickly, get back, you know, start a big motor run to the next spot, yeah. check it. Um, then once we get later into the year, you know, into the winter time when that water temperature starts to cool down, I mean, I'm still going to take five rods, but that's just because that's what I always carry. But a lot of times I don't pick up but two and maybe a DOA or a mirror lure or a paddle tail, you know, and I'll pick, I might fish through one or two of those. And once I start getting hits, the rest of them sit there and I just stick with the one rod. Yeah. You know, so. What about you? Uh, it's, it's super similar. Always a top water, always a DOA, always a jig head and either a mirror lure or a popping cork probably yeah there was a guy smoking on a popping cork yesterday about yeah i don't know sometimes you just can sometimes a popping cork works really well for me for trout and sometimes i just don't feel like i can get it to the depth that they're at right yeah. so it's not something i throw all the time but if i don't know i'll usually throw it once or twice and if i start catching them on it I like to fish in popping yeah. cork. Just it, it is fun. Dude, it is, something about it, why, why, yeah, watching it go underwater is, is um, uh, exciting. A lot of people always ask me, like, when I'm like, all right, we're going to fish this lure. It's called a DOA shrimp. And they see it. They're like, that thing, isn't that the thing you just fish under a popping cork? I'm, yeah. like, I'm like, people do fish under a popping cork. <laughs> but is that your go-to? Or is there any other shrimp that you prefer to fish under a cork? I, if I was going to, no, I usually use a voodoo yeah, under a cork. Like just because I feel like it has a little more weight. And I feel like it, it maybe floats a little, not floats, but like drifts a little more realistic yeah. under a cork. I agree. That's what I, I was I kind of feel at. like a DOA would float. It, like, it floats or, tail or, down. Uh, yeah. Or drift Kind of go down. with the current <laughs> vertically, which probably <laughs> doesn't look very realistic. <laughs> Well, I still eat it, but and I think with popping cork, like I mean, you might fish it all throughout the winter, but I know for me, like when I'm on the top water in the fall, and this is something that you kind of turned me on to, was you know once that top water bite starts to slow down as far as numbers in mm-hmm. the morning, I'll flip over to a popping cork, and it's enough something splashy at the top to get their attention, but then there's something down deeper in their face to where they don't have to come all the way up to the surface to commit to a lure, yeah. so you can start picking them up. You know, as that top water time is winding down before, you know, you really want to go deep in the middle of the day, sometimes you can pick them up like that. Yeah. So, yeah. and one thing That's I've learned point. too about the cork fishing like that too, especially after quickly transitioning off of a top water bite, shorten that leader up. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because they'll still come up and they'll be looking at that cork, but just like they would a top water and not eating it. Um, so, fishing like a foot long leader or a foot and a half long leader under a cork, where, mm-hmm. I, yeah. you know, I'll, I'll go anywhere from like three feet. To a foot on my leaders, which a foot when you look at it, it looks really weird. Yeah, right? yeah. yeah. But yeah. you know, they'll they'll sometimes you'll see the trout pop in the cork. They'll come up and smack yeah. the cork, and so yeah. um, shortening that leader up can be can be important. Um, I do have one lure that I I've, I've never used it, but I'm pretty excited about it. It's one of those sinking um, mirror lure twitch baits. Oh, like the heavy deans, like the yeah. heavier ones. Yeah, 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 heavy deans. I like those in current. Like yeah. when you're in the heavier current, I like those heavy because the seventeens get hard to work. Yeah, yeah. Um, they do. You know, they current. get swept yeah. in current pretty hard. Yeah. Um, great in 
in low current areas, but yeah, yeah, um, yeah that you'll like that heavy dean. I don't fish it much. It's hard. It's a hard one to get clients on too. Like, yeah. it's like the DOA shrimp. But mm-hmm. I've gotten to the point of like with the DOA shrimp, I can I you can, can walk just say, through it. Just don't do anything. Just yeah. throw it out there and just keep your line tight. Yeah, yeah. And I can watch them and coach them through it. It's a little harder to coach them through like the mirror lure and the twitching and all that, but. Um, that heavy dean is sweet. If you um, if you had someone that had never fished before and came trout fishing with you, what bait would you have them throw? Uh, man, I'm like almost so bad this time of year. It's just pretty much always the DOA shrimp, <laughs> even if it's first thing in the morning. Well, I mean, it's a, it's a it is an easy one if you have someone to tell you how to use it because like yeah. I've fished I've fished that thing for probably three years. Before I actually figured out how to use it, right? Yeah. I'd always be like, you know, trying oh, to jerk it, it, it like it a that jerk shot or something. Too quick. I know. That's the problem. Yeah, I know. You got to. Here's here's how I break it down. A lot of times with clients is pick it up. If I want the fish good, I love when I throw it and first cast, wham! And like yesterday, yeah. first cast on it, <laughs> yeah, got smacked, and my hands were so cold when I was tying my knot because we were running around albacore fishing at first. Um, I tied a crappy knot. Or maybe I nicked it with a scissors, but I set the hook and just broke my leader off. (laughs) And I was like, dang, that was a nice trout. And it was like my first good bite of the year, like north of the river. Yeah. Um, And so I tied back on and I was like, let me walk y'all through that one more time. (laughs) Threw it there and hooked one and caught him. And I I was like, so building that confidence is important. Whether you're the one showing someone, hey, you know, this is how you, how you can catch a fish on this lure. Or just getting a couple bites on on a lure, and you're like, oh, okay, that's what was I doing there? And, and you start to learn. It's very hard to build confidence in a bait without getting bit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes, it pretty much builds the opposite. Yes. So, um, all right, what's the next question? What we got? Night fishing. Where are we at? Roger Jones. Roger Jones. Okay, Roger Jones. How to catch gators in deep water with current catching. Okay, so I, I shortened this, but he said he was catching numbers in deep water with current, but not size. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, he was, didn't he say, like, he's caught some citations, they've all been really yes. shallow on top water. Yes. Um, it did. So, in the deep water and current, I think jumping the bait size up is important. Mm-hmm. Um, slow rolling, which is just casting out and retrieving a big paddle tail. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's how I've done better for bigger fish and, and current. Yeah. And I also think, like, like we said, those big fish are lazy. So anything that you can use in current to slow that bait's like movement yeah. down, because if you're using something light, you know it's going like this. Yeah. If you use something heavy, maybe it slows it down a little bit. So definitely something definitely. that can kind of stay in front of that fish's face a little longer. Another thing mm. that that makes me think about too is like when you sit stationary on a bank of trout fishing this time of year, your bait moves a lot quicker. Mm-hmm. But if you can drift with it, mm-hmm. you can fish it slower. So if you've got an area that you found the fish and you want to slow that bait down and keep it down there a little bit longer, bigger bait, you can drift Mm -hmm. or slowly drift, kind of like let the trolling motor kind of hold you Mm -hmm. and slow that presentation down. And that can definitely help. Yeah. Um, I think for me, I will change presentation angle. Um, A lot of times, like last year, I was drifting and I kept picking up like, you know, typical 14, 15 inch fish. I actually went to the top of the pool, cast it to the back of it, and reeled it up current, just super slow, let it bounce oh, yeah, on the that's bottom. A good point. Getting the angle slightly different to where you're presenting it differently, and boom, boom. You know, I hooked two 18, 19 inch trout. You know, not monsters, but 
I picked up the better fish in the school. Yeah. Um, and I think too, depending on like here, when I think deep water with current, I'm thinking like big, you know, big holes and creeks. I'm going to fish that area. If I catch numbers, I'm going to start putting my cast somewhere just outside of like the norm of where I want to fish at. Yeah. You know, yeah. something where the water eddies just a little differently. I'll break that down five, 10 casts through that area and try to get the bait to land somewhere different or, you know, sweep through there differently. Cause those fish, like we said, are, are lazy. So if there's something that's just slightly different to where that fish doesn't have to work as hard and he's dominated that spot and that's his territory. You got to get the bait in his face for him to eat it. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. you know, find something that's just slightly off from where you're catching those fish that still has deep water, maybe a little less current, a little eddy. Maybe there's a little drop on the sandbar, a little oyster pocket, something that's going to hold that fish and target that specifically. Mm. Yeah, um, that's money. That's good. Um, sweet. That's what, what is the next one. Roger Jones, thanks for that question. Love you, brother. Um, and so where are we? What's the Marilu uh, What is the Marilu or cadence? Mm, that's a loaded question <laughs> slower than you think uh, this this is I keep someone else go I feel like a. I, I caught myself we, I filmed this video for church the other day with Hannah yeah and we I was sitting there as soon as I played it back and I realized I interrupted her so many times in the video I was like <laughs> Do I always interrupt you that much? And she's like, yeah, you interrupt me more than that usually. And so I've realized that now I'm so, and I keep, feel like I keep interrupting you also. Someone else go first. No, I mean, I'm by no means like a mirror lure um, pro. Mirror lure pro. Or uh, like an MR17 pro. Um, but when we went on a trip to the noose, what was it, last year? Yeah. Um, I had like a super good day with one of those Twitch baits. And I swear it was because... You were smoking everybody, especially at the end. Well, at the end, yeah, yeah. not in the beginning. But um, I swear it was because I slowed down my Twitch to from what I used to do. Mm-hmm. No. And, uh, I mean, almost every one of my hits came on when it was sitting there dead still. Yeah. yeah. I think it's... they just see the flash from a you know, little distance away. And as long as it's not moving, there's they want to slide smoking. in there and sit there and twitch, twitch, and they're on it again. You know, they're yeah. they're yeah. think of them as like kind of like um, creepers hanging out, kind of <laughs> in just the in the shadows, like yeah. behind the bait a little bit. Yeah, and then like you know that that honestly is kind of how they act behind a mirror lure or yeah. a topwater. Yeah, they don't come right onto the scene right off the bat. They'll kind of come in and check it out, check it out. Yeah. Um, which yeah, is yeah. why I've heard a lot of people put freaking. Uh, procure on air lures. Yeah, I've never done it. Sounds yeah. disgusting. <laughs> well, but. and your pause. You know, twitch, twitch. Maybe start with a pause at three to four seconds. I know, like last year. I don't. Where did we go? I'm trying to remember where we fished. But we we didn't have like a crazy good day. But we had a really good day. New River. No, it was. It might have been the news. But I know that at some points we were having to let our bait sit there and pause for eight to 10 seconds between twitches, you know, really lengthen out your pause time on those, Um, you know, and something else that I started doing last year was I I changed out my uh, trebles so that my trebles were a little oversized so the bait would fall and you could work it a little faster. Mm -hmm. Um, 
for the earlier time of year, but then like once we get into the later time of the year and the water starts to cool down, then I'll go back to those smaller trebles to where the bait react, you know, reacts like it's designed to where it just sits there and suspends and doesn't really have that fall to it. Um, so, you know, you can play around with several different things to be able to mess with the cadence also. Um, yeah. It's crazy. I mean, Ben Chesney and even the 17s, they'll sink, but it's very slowly. Yep. I mean, mm-hmm. super, super slowly. They're great baits for, you know, three to seven feet of water, eight feet of water. Yeah. Um, but Ben told me one year they were up fishing in an undisclosed location and they're in an area without current and they, it was a crappy day. They weren't catching squat and they were marking fish on their side scan or on their down scan in like 17 feet of water, 18 feet of water, suspended mid water column. And they started throwing mirror lures, 17s in like almost 20 feet of water and would throw it and just keep the line tight and just let it sit there for like 30 or 40 seconds. Mm -hmm. And then wham, they just, they started catching fish like that. (laughs) And so, you know, there's, it gets your wheels turning. Like think about a really cold bait fish in a deep hole like that. He's probably just sitting there, you know, really not doing anything. And that trout has that time to just see it and kind of slowly rise to it. Um, and that's kind of what you're doing with that that mirror lure. You think about a, when you see a Menahaden. Think about the few times in the winter when you can see a school of those peanut bunker. Mm-hmm. And you'll just kind of say like, twitch, twitch. You know, you'll see that, that fish lay over a little bit. And then mm-hmm. he just kind of sits there. Mm-hmm. And, and that's exactly what you're trying to imitate with that mirror lure. Um, and, and so to, to walk people through the retrieve on a mirror lure, um, it's all about a twitch and a pause and a twitch twitch and a pause and so um what i see a lot of clients do early on is they're dragging the rod tip too far on the twitch so it's like a swing yeah. not a twitch mm-hmm. you really want to pop pop like four inches of the rod tip so that bait's barely moving mm-hmm. underwater and he's just kind of laying on its side twice and then stopping and then you want to just slowly reel just to get that line tight again and then like mike said three to four maybe five seconds twitch twitch and then let it sit and slowly reel that slack out. And then sometimes, you know, I'll play around to seven, eight seconds, nine, ten seconds. And yeah. sometimes I'll play around one second. So twitch, twitch, one Mississippi, twitch, twitch, one. And, you know, and it depends. Mm-hmm. You'll, you'll find a different cadence of how they like to bite. Usually that three to five second pause is kind of money. It, yeah. gets, it gets those lazier fish. It gets those more aggressive fish. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's I like my rod tip. Like if I'm standing on the boat. I kind of like to fish my rod tip low into the left, kind of down on the surface of the water, and smack, smack with that rod tip. Mm-hmm. Um, you can kind of hear that line whipping when you do it. It's just a short little pop. So that's what I like to do. <laughs> Sounds good to me. All right. Next up is what size Yozuri 3DS minnows do you like? What do you like, Cameron? Um, Yozuri minnows, what do you like? Probably, I like all sizes of them, really. Yeah, me but too. But the two, I think they make a four inch. Yeah, two and a half, a two and three quarter and a four inch. Is the two and three two quarter and four make. inch. Um, for gator trout, obviously, bigger is probably better. Yeah. Um, yeah. But those things are great. They are great. The The little ones, man, I like those, the little ones too, the two and three quarter inch. I personally have never caught a gator trout on those baits. I know people that have. Um, but... This time of year, with all these bay anchovies and glass minnows leaving, they're great baits. Mm-hmm. Like those trout yeah. are eating a lot of glass minnows. That's yeah. why those little crystal minnows work well. Mm-hmm. Um, that's why, uh, like the little opening night small swimming trout tricks, paddle tails, they work well. They just resemble like a little glass minnow. And those mm-hmm. Yozuri minnows work really, really well. 
Um, I don't like treble hooks very much unless they're big, meaty treble hooks like on a topwater because I feel like I lose a lot of fish on those little yeah. trebles. Yeah, then two, three quarters has like teeny little trebles. Teeny so trebles, yeah. yeah. You need to fish a very light tipped rod if you yeah. fish those. You want a lot of give. You want 10 pound braid and a light tip rod mm-hmm. and, and probably even, you know, maybe eight or 10 pound mono leader. Yeah. A yeah. lot of stretch with those little small um, treble hooks. But I mean, you don't have to do that. At, le- at least fish a really light tipped rod. Don't go through that thing on like a medium fast or even heavy, or especially not a medium heavy. Fish it on like a, you know, ultra light, medium light. Yeah. Even like a, my, my buddy Ray, I, I was uh, with him the other day and he has these custom rods he had built and they're walleye blanks. They're called Immortal walleye blanks mm-hmm. i gotta find mm-hmm. some and get some rods built out of them i mean they were the sickest <laughs> trout rods i've ever fished with really just and, and they're made for walleye fishing so fishing really light stuff and like 25 feet of water mm-hmm. and like jigging it and you can feel the bites on it i mean it you could feel everything on it It would bump like a little stick floating in the water and you could feel it in the rod wow that's uh, crazy but that would have been a good small trouble hook run all right but yeah, both sizes, honestly. I think I fish the two and three quarter inch better, but if I was targeting larger fish with it, I'd go with the four inch. Um, do gator trout hang by themselves or with other trout? That was from Thomas. Um, both. Yeah. I think both, yeah. But a lot of times, at least in my uh, experience, if I've caught a gator trout, typically they're in like, there's usually another one with it. I yeah. think they kind of pair up. Definitely, yeah, definitely. Yeah, there. Th- that's a really good point. Like, don't be like, "Woohoo! I got my big one! Like, I'm done." Yeah, like, I mean, yeah. nothing that usually happens. But that's... yeah, and so like, say you say you catch one, and you got him up next to the boat, and he pops off for some reason, and you're like, oh, "I missed my chance." Yeah, throw your rod in the water and leave. Um, chances are, there's another one. Or a few around the same area. Yeah. Some yeah. people will say that, that they sit by themselves. They hang out with other gator trout for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I mean, think about how redfish school with usually fish of their similar size mm-hmm. class. Mm-hmm. Um, flounder very, do the same thing. If you catch one flounder that's 18, 19 inches, pick apart that area because there's going to be at least yeah. one or two more sitting in that same area. Yeah. Me and uh, me and Travis Overman out of from underneath one dock last year and in two days caught five citations out of yeah. under one dock that's crazy um, so they, they definitely hang out together alright next All right. question um cadence if you catch redfish or bluefish in an area do you keep fishing it for large trout from Paul Paul I would say redfish probably not bluefish definitely yeah, yeah, I mean, cause like, I had it happened to me this morning. I was throwing topwater, and it was like every time I threw a topwater, I catch a bluefish. Anytime I threw a paddle tail, I was catching a trout, <laughs> like in the same like twenty five yard stretch. Yeah. yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, I think that's a good point. I, I, the redfish wouldn't deter me from fishing the area. No, I mean, but as long as it's like, it depends. I guess it depends on what time of year yeah. too, right? Yeah, that's true. Because if it's early fall. You're probably not gonna be fishing like a flat in the back of the marsh. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. Where you would exactly. typically be catching redfish. Yeah. Um, but like you know, bluefish and trout both like current. So. Right. Right. No. no, I'm with you. Yeah, bluefish big time. They're gonna be in that, the same areas the trout are. Lizard fish. If I catch a lizard fish, I'm gone. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kidding. 
if you catch a lizard fish, you might be in the right area, but also it might mean absolutely nothing. <laughs> yeah. yeah, agreed. Oh man, did you see the picture of that lizard fish that Michael caught earlier? This no, oh, my goodness. dude, it was like Is a four-pound lizard fish. Yeah. It yeah, was pulling drag yeah, and going up in the grass. They, and, stuff. and they kind of feel like trout sometimes yeah. Yeah. until you start feeling rub going, no, 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 no. Oh, man. I'm so sick of those things. Great baits to fish for bull redfish. Cut them in half, kill as many as you can, and drop them to the bottom so you can catch big redfish on them. Nope. All right. So this is the next one. How do you scout for trout in creeks in the fall and winter? That one's from Cameron. Uh, I like to move through areas pretty quickly yeah put on a bait i'm confident with Mm -hmm. Um, i start near the inlets and i work my way further away from the inlets Um, and i i make 10 cast on a piece of 20 yards of bank Mm -hmm. and then i'll drop down another 20 yards and make 10 cast there Mm -hmm. drop another 20 yards and make 10 cast there Uh, i don't beat anything up too long i fish something i'm confident with and i move to as many stuff as many spots as i can until i start hitting them Mm -hmm. especially right now because there's a lot of areas that are loaded up but there's a lot of areas that aren't loaded up yeah Yeah. so moving around until you find those loaded areas are pretty key yeah yeah Yeah, it's kind of crazy how like a 15 yard stretch on one bank can be like totally loaded with fish and like 15 yards past it, you won't get a nibble. Yeah, yeah. it is it is frustrating. It sucks to be the guy 15 yards back <laughs> yeah. from the guy that's yeah. 15 yards up. Oh, getting... no, it does. It does. <laughs> and that's where probably trolling, you know, like we said before, Definitely. is a great way to scout, Definitely. I would say, um, especially in the uh, fall. Yeah. yeah. And you guys, when you're trolling on the big motor, bumping it in and out of gear. Yeah. You're not stopping, but you're... You're trying to just keep it lower, a little slower than just a normal idle. So bumping mm-hmm. it in and out of gear. And that, yep. too, is going to let those jig heads kind of ride up and fall and ride up and fall. So, yeah. Um, and then a- another great way to scout in the fall, too, or pre-fall, is, is cut your sounder on and just idle the banks of the areas mm-hmm. that you want to fish and mark all the little deeper depressions, like mm-hmm. all where the creek guts come out and there's a little bit deeper, mark those deeper pockets. If you've got a little you know, bump, a little rise, mark that and come back and fish all those little you know, undulations. Is that the right word? Little changes on the I bottom. I think so, yeah. Um, that was a word that just popped in my head. I was like, that sounds fancy, I'm saying it. <laughs> Uh, and then come back and fish those areas. I mean, that's how I found a lot of my trout spots. Like going yeah. to general zones that I know yeah. These are, mm-hmm. This is where the trout are going to be. And then trying to find that structure that they're going to hold on yeah. Yeah. or those yeah. changes. And like they were saying, it sucks to be the guy that's 15 yards down the bank. Figure out what the guy 15 yards up the bank, if you already know what he's fishing, run that pattern. Yeah. You know yeah. those fish are sitting there on that for some reason. So can you go 200 yards up, 200 yards back and find something very similar to that? Can you move to the next creek over and replicate that pattern yeah you don't know. be the guy that just sits there below him just hoping that you're gonna catch yeah. one yeah. you know like if you're not getting them and he's getting them go try to see what he's doing and why those fish are there and go yep. go run mm-hmm. again i just completely copied exactly what you said <laughs> i just was i was like yeah you're right but what about what about late in the winter because it does get a little bit trickier um as it starts getting colder oh yeah um, so what do you like mm-hmm. to do with, like in the middle of winter deeper slower trip? water yep when I get up under the docks, that's when I get up in the canals, the boat basins, that's when I get in the coastal rivers um, and start fishing that stuff. So mm-hmm. it's funny because there's differences in coastal rivers. Like, well, the Cape Fear, honestly, is the only coastal river that we have that really flows hard in its saltwater yeah. fishing parts. You know yeah. what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, so that I kind of 
I, I, I consider that. It fishes differently than, you know, your Moorhead, your Emerald Isle, your yeah. Topsail Beach, your Figure Eight, your Wrightsville. Mm-hmm. But it doesn't fish like your New River, your Noose River, your no. Bay River, your Punga River. Like all those yeah. areas fish much differently than yeah. those those current based trout fisheries. Um, I don't even know what question I was answering anymore. Well, and it, <laughs> I don't either. We were talking about like going into rivers and stuff. Don't be afraid to stay in the clean water in the salt marsh. Just get farther away from those inlets and those big creek mouths and get farther back to where there's less water flow, less current, you know, same ideas, but you know, you're, you might have to wait for mid tide or better to be able to get far enough back to hit, you know, one pocket that's six, seven foot deep. Yeah. And those fish, they're all going to go sit there. And as the tide's coming in, you know, is when they start to get up and move around, hopefully, you know, and kind of spread out. But during that lower tide, when they're kind of concentrated into one pocket that's seven, eight, nine, ten feet deep, if you can find that, mm-hmm. those fish are going to be there. You know, yeah. go look, go run paddle tails, whatever through it, and yeah. you're definitely going to find them. Yeah. So. I'll say, too, a lot of times, like in the winter, when I'm kind of not so much focused on trout anymore, but more redfish, if I'm having to like idle over something because I'm not sure of how shallow it is or whatever, a lot of times I'll see trout just darting out from underneath the boat. Yeah. So, yep. like, I think if, you, if you're looking for trout, just idling creeks that are really clear and looking for depressions, like you said, and yeah. um, if you start seeing them, obviously there's probably more than a few. Yeah, definitely. I know like last year, I would go in when the tide would start to rise in, you know, start to come in. And like you said, I'd see them kind of shoot off. And then, you know, once the tide was kind of done, I'd be like, well, where'd they go? You know, or you would get that mm-hmm. kind of lull after maybe an hour or so of good fishing. And a lot of times where that, where the water gets real shallow during the winter and those mud bottoms start to warm up and then the tide comes in, those fish will slide up in that what was one foot of water at low tide and warmed up two or three degrees. They're going to slide up and they're just going to sit in the bottom and sit on that warmer stuff. Um, You know, at high tide, it might only be three feet deep, four feet deep, but you know, they're going to move up into those areas and that's where you can a lot of times find your bigger fish. So and cover those, you know, with less current, you can cover those with mirror lures and stuff pretty well. Yeah. So, I agree. um, all right, what's up next? What baits do you like for sight fishing gators in shallow water? That one's from Griffin. Whatever they'll eat. <laughs> Probably a paddle tail. <laughs> Something that's um, gonna land soft, yeah, and quiet and sink slow in shallow sure. water. Yeah. So. I would say, I mean, I know like last year I fished one bay pretty consistently that was probably three, three and a half feet deep and I was throwing a mirror lure, but I knew in that bay there was two or three pockets of oysters and every time the tide would come in, they would sit on that. So I would put myself where I could get that mirror lure 10 feet past the oyster bar, let it sink and work it into them, you know, so I didn't necessarily have to worry so much about, you know, landing right on top of them and being super mm-hmm. quiet with the bait. So I think, you know what exactly you know how dialed into the fish you are makes a lot of difference in what presentations you can make to them too yeah so if i were sight fishing gator trout in the winter they get so darn stubborn mm-hmm. yeah. eat, i would be sight fishing them with live bait for sure you know yeah. I, I would if they were eating artificial sure but every time i've tried to do this they've refused artificials and i've come in with live bait um and and not and been able to catch them but here's a here's a tip don't try to sight fish them if you know they're there which typically yeah. they are they're cre- like they're creatures of habit this time of year when you start when you see them in those deep pockets up on those edges of the flats when they get shallow 
um, it's so tempting to go to where you can see him. Mm-hmm. But don't sit back, way back, and fish it for a long freaking time. I mean, it's mm-hmm. the yeah. middle of winter. Like, if you catch one gator trout in January, like, it's your day's you worth it. Day. You know, mm-hmm. if you catch 28, 29 inch trout, it's worth it. Um, and so, s- sit back. If you do sight fish them, I would pitch a, a live shrimp on a um, treble hook, a small, like, little number six treble hook with a split shot in front of it. And I, I say that now. I'm like, no, don't fish that because it's dangerous for the fish. A little small trouble hook like that, but um, or just even like a small little circle hook would work well, and just let him eat it and slowly reel into him. What about yeah. mud minnow? Mud minnow works really well. There was a bunch of trout that we were uh, us three on uh, last year in a similar mm-hmm. area that were very tough to get them to eat artificial. And I went in there with a, fl- a slip float rig, which I've done a video on that. I'm not going to get super. It's a lot of detail, but if you Look up the slip float rig video that I did. I think I did one with Salt Strong too, um, but and it, it, it just is where the the bobber can slide. You can set your depth. But um, we, we went in there with mud minnows, and we hadn't been able to get to eat, get them to eat anything. This is like end of January, freaking cold, and like we started smashing them. I mean, <laughs> just absolutely annihilating them because there's no bait in there. You know, there's very little yeah. bait, and all of a sudden, all these big juicy mud minnows come floating by. Yeah wiggling and they would they liked it Caught that's the time of year like i wonder if you could just put on a like a pretty sizable pinfish and I, get the biggest one out of the group you probably could yeah honestly you probably could right now the the big massive pinfish though are still trying to eat my little stuff <laughs> <laughs> like yeah. the other day that we were idling up a creek and uh this was yesterday and he was dragging the i, I was pulling actually yeah, mm-hmm. the, uh, I was pulling up into this creek kind of fast trying to get back in there and the dude just had his rod tip in the water right beside the boat and there's like 40 pinfish following this diesel minnow trying to eat it. <laughs> My God, those things are ferocious. All right. What's we got next? Um, all right. Best practices for fishing lipped baits from Jonathan. Best practices. Mm-hmm. Um, what do y'all think? As far as like what I think probably like jerk baits, next yeah. wraps, stuff like that. I'd say again, it's similar to uh, like an MR seventeen. Yeah, yeah. Um, twitch, giving, twitch, pause. Twitch, twitch, pause. Giving it time. Yeah. For the fish to stalk it, you know. And you got to be well. Continue. No, on. that's pretty much all I had. <laughs> I was gonna say if you go into like X wraps and some of those those baits rise back to the top sometimes, you know, depending on what you're fishing when it comes to lip bait. So being able to get like a long cast in fishing it down current, working it up will help keep that bait kind of down um, and just let it slightly move. So, you know, it speeds up a little bit and then just kind of sits there and wiggles and then speeds up and kind of wiggles. Um, so I have what, I have done as far as striper fishing with them always seems to be a lot better when I can throw it, you know, quarter down current and work it across and not necessarily working it straight back up current and all, but, you know, working it across current to where you're moving across the pool and you can start changing, you know, make a 30 foot cast, make a 35 foot cast, make a 40 foot cast and keep your boat in the same position and keep making that quarter across, um, cast and retrieve. Seems to be my best thing, and I've picked up trout striper and stuff, you know, in the same locations in the Cape Fear doing that. Um, but I don't know, you know, I don't really fish them a whole lot when it comes to the clear water, you know, that kind of stuff, and the actual salt marsh. 
um, say like behind Wrightsville Beach or whatever. So I don't know if that holds completely true or not. But um, if I, I was going to pick them up, that's what I would do. Oh my goodness, I'm sorry, I'm tired, I keep talking. <laughs> um, I don't fish them up here much either, but yeah. some, some people do. That's mm-hmm. the funny thing about trout, like you think you've got like the magic, the, the magic lure figured out, and then your buddy did mm-hmm. things just as good as you on a bait that you wouldn't have caught a single fish on that, that same yeah. day. You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah. Like you catch them on a paddle tail, and your buddy catches them on, you know, a, an X-Rap. An X-Rap. And you're like, I tried throwing an X-Rap today and didn't yeah. get them. So it's funny how that works, but... Yeah, twitch, twitch, pause. Like Mike's saying, they float. So sometimes throw it out there, crank it three or four times so that you get it down yep. and then start working it. Or one time, you can kind of set the depth that you yep. want to kind of keep that bait working at. Because every time you twitch it, it's going to go down a little bit. Mm-hmm. When you let it pause, it's going to wiggle back up, twitch, twitch. Um, there's one guy, he's got a tower yellowfin I see fishing quite a bit that likes mm-hmm. to sit in the same area every day. And he's good. He catches fish, but he likes to throw down current and just work an extra back to the boat. Mm-hmm. Catch his trout just like that. It's a great trolling bait too. But yeah. twitch, twitch, pause. You know, casting yeah. across current or quartering down or quartering up just a little bit and working it back to the boat. Um, it's money. Yeah, imagine. I mean, if you want to go deeper, you would throw it down current and then work it back towards right. you. Right. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, it would it would really get down. And those baits kind of have a set depth. I think yeah. an X trap, like a, just a standard X trap, is what like six feet if you trolled it. Yeah. Six or five, seven six. feet. Five six feet. So. And that trolling it would be like keeping it digging, like it's not going to mm-hmm. go much deeper than that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, we got any more questions? Live bait or artificials? Oh, I love it all. For gators. Yeah. For gators, I mean, shoot, it's hard. I mean, I think we've I think we've talked about that. We've talked about that. Yeah. 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 Um, right. This one. Next up, does current or water depth matter? Um, I think we've hit a little bit on that too. Yeah. You know. Um, kind of depends on your area, depends on the time of year, what you're looking for. Um, yeah, like it's going to change everywhere you are. Yeah. Current, it can be great. Sometimes you don't want current. I mean, current, current never hurts, but you don't have to have it. Water depth, you know, you can catch trout and, and gator trout in a foot of water water. and 60 feet. I mean, yeah. The deepest I've caught big trout is like 40-something feet of water at the end of a big wow. big dock. And that was on live bait. But, mm-hmm. um, yeah, I mean, they'll, they'll sit in it all. So no. I think current kind of helps condense them and locate them when there's a little piece of structure there. So it makes makes you have a little more confidence in where you're pitching your bait. It makes but sense where they would be. Kind yeah. Of. Mm-hmm. Um, it kind of makes it easier to pick apart an area to find them. But... I mean, it definitely isn't a necessary thing. So, in a lot of like the New River, it gets it gets some wind push current too here and there. You know, depending on what the moon and the tides are doing. So, you know, the current isn't always in where you would expect to see it. Right. Mm-hmm. So, you know, that's gonna change some stuff up too. Um, fishing some of the bigger, real low or no current river systems around here. Definitely. So let's say current too. Like, you may have said this, but time of year, right? Like when current uh, early fall is going to be pushing a lot of those um, yeah this is that's a the bait one. buy them uh, finger mullet because they're still around right now yeah. yeah so like current in in the fall is important because that's generally where the fish are going to be hanging out just waiting for the current to push bait essentially to them yeah. um, and then as the year goes on and it gets colder like you said they're going to find more places that are more have to do with water temperature than or uh, 
water temperature that doesn't change that much right, rather right. than relying on current yeah. to bring them food it's uh yeah that's that's huge like everything is kind of out in the current right now they've got enough mm-hmm. energy there's enough you know mm-hmm. going on and then as it gets cooler everything's going to move and be trying to work less and mm-hmm. stay yeah. in more consistent water temp so we have any more yeah two more here um without tide change and oyster bars do you look what, what do, do you, you look, look for for gator trout so yeah this guy said outer banks like he's in the outer banks um what do i look for um for gator trout and i know i have i have not fished the outer banks i fished the inner banks a lot for yeah. trout uh, but a lot of those guys are fishing the grass flats out there mm-hmm. you know on the back side of the islands uh looking for that you know two to five feet of water Yep. Um, I did a podcast with Brett Barley. Um, go and find that podcast because he does. We talk a lot about redfish, but he does talk a good bit about the trout. Um, mm-hmm. That was probably, you know, I think this will be eighty eighty six episode eighty six. So that was probably uh, sixty. I think that was in the sixties. Go look. Go look around there. Um, but but looking for it's a lot like how you start to fish for them down in in the keys where you're looking for those potholes on the grass yeah. flats. Um, you're looking for, um, ledger bottom transition, ledger bottom transitions, like fishing those exterior drop offs those exterior edges, not mm-hmm. trying to hit the bank, looking for those next sets mm-hmm. of drop offs, um, looking for guts, like mm-hmm. guts on between grass flats where the, mm-hmm. wa- when the water's dropping a little bit, mm-hmm. um, that can all be, all be pretty huge. So. Yeah. I know, like, a lot of the big redfish guys that go up there and they fish, they're looking, you know, same idea. They're looking for maybe 18 feet of water, 18 to 20 feet of water with, um, you know, an oyster bar or some type of bottom transition that kind of condenses those fish and holds them there. So, you know, looking for that same thing up shallow or a little shallower um, definitely would be a good way to locate them. Definitely. So... I think that's it. That's it. My, my yeah. only thing to add to that would just be grass points. So yeah. like ambush areas where there's something that they can hide behind and waiting for bait mm-hmm. to swim by that they can ambush. And then two, just looking for bait, like bait that's nervous or bait that's kind of looks like it's running for something. That's huge. Is yep. um, good way to just locate an area where I think. Yeah. Scratch everything else and, and look for that first bait, like yeah. in those areas. Look for... Areas with large amounts of peanut pogies and mullet, and, and that would be where I would start up there. Yeah, if the trout are there, I mean, you're going to know. Yeah. The bait's going to yeah. be jumping out of the water and yeah. freaking out. So. But that's a good area up there to throw topwater in the fall. Like those yeah. those mm-hmm. big, wide flats. Like that would be my go-to lure is mm-hmm. topwater or like a real shallow water jerk bait or mirror yeah. lure. The way I can move kind of fast. But topwater, you can fish so much faster than a subsurface like twitch bait mm-hmm. or jerk bait. Um, so it just helps you kind of locate them and then, you know, you get one blow up and then you're like, all right, let's slow down. Let's pick this part yeah. throw the mirror lower, throw the shrimp. And I, I, I have never fished up there on the sound side, but I got to imagine. Do a trip up there. That's three. Yeah, that'd, be cool. that'd be fun. I got to imagine there's like some dock, old dock pilings and stuff mm-hmm. like that around there. No old dock um, pilings up there actually. I'm just kidding. <laughs> Zero. <laughs> um, that, but that, that would apply to the same thing as like grass points. Just ambush yeah, points. Yeah, definitely. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Um, one of the podcasts early on, uh, a guy was talking about what he called like washing machine areas where, um, a lot, and this isn't going to happen up there. This would happen in areas with current, but what, just one last thing I'll leave y'all with. Think about this is like, where's an area that kind of gets pretty churned up on a, when the tide's dropping, 
um, yep. or coming in that's got a lot of moving water and boils and eddies and, and might have some depth to it. Um, that, and he, that's where he catches. He's in South Carolina where he catches the majority of his big gator mm-hmm. trout down there. Um, I think that's because right, the bait comes in there and it kind of gets washed around like a washing machine. It gets yeah. confused and boom. 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 Look for washing machines, guys. <laughs> um, well, that was fun. We'll do. We had a lot more questions um, that we did not write down this time um, that y'all had sent in. So we're going to probably try to do another Q&A podcast. I think this is a great way to kind of answer some of y'all's questions this time of year and get conversation flowing. And it would be obviously what we're already talking about, yeah. but but we can answer some direct questions for y'all and maybe provoke some conversation that we wouldn't have already had. So um, if you do have questions you want to hear answered on the podcast, keep sending them in, uh, especially trout-related questions right now is kind of what we're focusing on. Um, and we'll keep rolling on that. But you guys, thanks for tuning in. We will see y'all in the next episode. Later.